USA Wealth Group Inc. presents Money Wise with the Money Guys. Ray Lance and Pete Lance are your hosts for the next hour, talking retirement topics and having the retirement conversation for those at or nearing retirement. For more than 20 years, USA Wealth Group has been committed to helping families protect and grow their wealth. The conversation starts now. Welcome to Money Wise Radio. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Money Wise. Welcome to Money Wise, brought to you every Sunday morning by USA Wealth Group. My name is Ray Lance, and we have a special guest with us this morning. So I'm very pleased to have beside me this morning, Attorney Tenny Lance, and good morning, Tenny. Good morning. So as we begin today, I want to ask you a very important question, Tenny. First of all, I want to mention that uh, you're the uh, presiding partner and owner of Lance Law, Inc. We don't give any financial information on the radio, and we're not giving legal advice on the radio, are you? No, and we are not affiliated with USA Wealth Group. That's another requirement to talk about, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And um, as uh, USA Wealth Group and Arbor Insurance and those companies are concerned, they do work with retirement planning and helping people plan their financial affairs. But we never give advice on the radio itself, and we don't ever give legal advice. That's up to Lance Law Inc., which is a separate and distinct entity. We're happy to meet with you on the radio every Sunday morning. Today we're going to be talking about a very, very important topic, which is how do you protect your assets and how do you protect your house if somebody in your family has to go into a nursing home? Is that there are basically are only two ways to pay for nursing home care. One is paying privately, and the other is to become eligible for Medicaid. What I tell people is that those who are paying privately are effectively subsidizing the folks in that facility who are on Medicaid because the rate that the state reimburses nursing homes for Medicaid patients is not the same as what is paid for private pay. So it's a so difficult... So let's explain that for a minute. What does that mean? Private pay, people pay more than Medicaid-eligible people pay? Well, yes. Private pay, people pay the market rate for their, uh, for their being a patient at that facility. The state reimburses that facility for those who are on Medicaid at a lesser rate. So the real issue really is dollars and money and what does it cost? Because I think everybody knows that it's quite expensive if somebody has to be in a nursing home. What are typical costs, for example, for nursing homes in say Massachusetts or greater New Bedford area? What does it cost per month or per year? It's. I usually use the figure of about $16,000 a month. Um, So that's that's a lot of money. Yep, a month, and that's a pretty good average for what I see for the various facilities that serve either Greater New Bedford or parts of the Cape. So let's put that in a little bit more perspective. What we're really saying is then on an annual basis, it's close to... $200,000 a year to be in a nursing home? That's correct. That's really awful. That's really a lot of, a lot of money. Yep. Well, I guess there's basically four different ways you can think about how do you pay for a nursing home care without going broke. One, maybe you've got long-term care insurance. Or two, if you don't have long-term care insurance, but you you happen to have a lot of money, you're going to pay with your own funds. And I guess you have to do that first or maybe Medicare or Medicaid, but those are the primary means. Right, and let me clarify the difference between 
Medicare and Medicaid. Because that's confusing. A lot of people mix them up. It does. They do. And it is. Um, Medicare is a health insurance program. And people age 65 and over have Medicare as their primary health insurance. And that's all well and good. Um, If something happens and you have a fall or you have an illness that is considered temporary and you need rehab for that injury or illness, then Medicare will pay for up to 100 days of rehab in a rehab facility, usually otherwise known as a nursing facility. So, so do, you find, do you find that a lot of people confuse Medicare and Medicaid? Yes, because they think if they have Medicare, they're all set if anything should happen to them and they need to go into a facility. Well, that's all well and good if your situation is temporary, if you just need some rehab services. But Medicare will not pay for long-term services. So after that first 100 days is what you're saying. So I've, I've had people tell me that I'm over 65, I'm on Medicare, doesn't that cover me for nursing home care? And the answer, I guess, is it's only for a very short period of time. Right, and only if you have been admitted to a hospital for three nights previous and have been transferred to a rehab facility. So even that's a very interesting question when you think about it. If you have a family member who's going to the hospital, um, I think you've talked to me in the past that sometimes the hospital doesn't want to admit somebody because then they start the three-day period running. Right. Um, Hospitals are under regulations like most other healthcare industries in our country. And hospitals are, are told that they basically have a couple of choices. They can put somebody on uh, admittance, which means that the Medicare program will cover their stay at the hospital. But, the, but if they are only in the hospital for observation, Medicare is not likely to pay. And if they are transferred, then Medicare is not likely to pay for the nursing home either. For that first 100 days? For anything. For anything. Okay. So even at the point in time when somebody has to go into a hospital, how they are handled or, or characterized when they go in can make a huge difference in terms of money later that they're going to get paid or be eligible for. Yes. I always tell clients to be sure if your loved one goes to a nursing home, I'm sorry, to a hospital, to make sure that they are admitted. Be a real pain in the neck about that. Okay. So a lot of people probably don't recognize that, and it's a time of trouble when somebody goes to the hospital, and they may not necessarily uh, remember that. The gentleman named Stephen Wright once uh, said, be nice to your children. After all, they're going to choose your nursing home. Yes, we, we used to. We've talked to, about that before, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, we used to use that as a type of slogan. <laughs> well, personally, I hope that I never have to go to a nursing home. And um, Most everybody does. Yeah, I don't think most people are comfortable there uh, or want to be there. You'd rather be in your own house and stay where you are. Right. And it, I guess you can do that if you want to spend a lot of money on caregivers, too, sometimes. Yes, and people think that home care is less expensive and that, oh, well, I'll just bring caregivers in. But generally, if you follow the law and pay the caregivers properly, they are going to cost just about as much as a uh, month stay in a nursing facility. Now, if you have two people, a couple, 
who are cared for in the facility, yet staying at home with a single caregiver may be um, money-wise. So, Tenny, I know you don't give advice over the telephone to people when it comes to nursing home planning or Medicaid eligibility, but if somebody wants to make an appointment because they think that a family member or a spouse may have to go into a nursing home, uh, they can make an appointment to come in to visit with you. What number would they call you at? Yes, our phone number is 508-998-8800. Well, we joke sometimes about nursing homes, and um, your children are going to choose nursing homes. But, in fact, I know that you've seen a lot of situations when families get into real disputes about who's going to pay the cost and, and how is that going to be handled. Or who's going to choose the nursing home. Exactly. Well, we're going to take a short break, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back, we're going to get continue to be in a lot of more detail about how you pay for nursing home care or long-term care without going broke. So stay tuned, and we will be right back. You're listening to Money Wise with the Money Guys, hosted by Ray Lance and Pete Lance. If you have questions about retirement, call today. 508-998-8858. That's 508-998-8858 for a consultation or a second opinion on your current retirement plan. 508-998-8858. And now, back to MoneyWise with the Money Guys. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to MoneyWise. Our topic today is how do you pay for nursing home care or long-term care without going broke? And it's not easy, is it, Tenny? It is not easy, and importantly, it takes generally five years. So <laughs> that's the tricky part, that people usually come to see us when a nursing home is imminent and uh, the options are limited at that point. Okay, so um, our guest this morning is attorney Tenny Lance. She's on the radio show quite a lot. Tenny is the principal uh, in Lance Law, Inc. And primarily what you do is helping people with wills and trusts and what else, Tenny? Well, we handle uh, real estate on behalf of sellers, and we do quite a lot of Medicaid planning. So um, we have an interesting situation here that I want to mention. Um, I have a, a client who listens to the show every week. I'm not going to mention her name on the air, but she was good enough to leave me a quotation, so I'm going to use her quotation on the air, and the author of the quotation is Francis Osborne, who said, What you leave at your death, let it be without controversy, else lawyers will be your heirs. Uh-huh. I kind of like that, and I say thank yeah. you to uh, the lady who sent me this quotation. Um, I guess people do appreciate the quotes sometimes, don't they, Tenny? Oh, people love the quotes more than anything. <laughs> well, hopefully they can remember some of the content that we're discussing as well. So it's easy to say if you've got a lot of money, you can be a private pay patient and you can spend fifteen or $16,000 a month. But in fact, you have to do that, don't you? Because you can't just give all of your money away and put it in somebody else's name and then say, gee, I don't have any assets in my name, so now I can qualify for Medicaid. So why not? Explain what you have to do in terms of if you've got a lot of money and you give it away, you're not going to be eligible for Medicaid, maybe? Right. Medicaid is a combination federal-state program. Um, so there are lots of laws, there are lots of regulations, and there are lots of court decisions that uh, govern the Medicaid law, the, the use of Medicaid funds. And one of those laws is that you have to be poor for five years 
in order to be eligible for the Medicaid program. In other words, if you need to go into a nursing home tomorrow, then you have to tell the state what you did with your assets, and I'll talk about that in a minute, for the past five years. Okay. So it's not as though you can uh, anticipate a nursing home tomorrow and then uh, take the steps necessary to get poor. You can't. So it's safe to say you have to plan in advance if you're concerned about protecting your assets. Right. The Medicaid program is a program for poor people. And what people tend not to uh, realize is that if you are a couple, you can only have assets, not counting your house. Let me qualify that for one second. Sorry to interrupt. So I guess you can't be a couple, but if you are part of a couple... Yes, if, if you are part of a couple and one of you has to go to a nursing home, then the Medicaid program says that in addition to your house, basically, and one car, you can have only $148,620 to your name. And that counts virtually everything. Okay, so that's $148,000. That what, the at-home spouse gets to hang on to and gets to keep? Essentially, yes. Okay. But if you're a single person, the story is much worse. You can only have $2,000 to your name, and it's difficult for you to hang on to your house. Wow. So you don't have to answer this question, but maybe... If you think you're going into a nursing home, you got to get married real quickly. I've I've counseled people with that. Oh, really? And, okay. Oh, I, thought, I have I was, I was absolutely, that. and that has saved people a lot of money. I've also counseled people to get divorced if they're married, so that the well spouse is not um, deprived of all the assets it's Mm. it's a rough situation well love and marriage are kind of interesting now i I know that at the uh, law firm that you're here representing today uh, you have certain brochures and things that you can provide to people and what are some of these called one is paying for nursing home care a guide to medicaid planning another is a family guide on Medicaid planning. And a third one is plan today for a secure tomorrow. And these are are helpful brochures. They will give you some basic background information. Now you're a member of a national estate planning organization. What is that called? Well, we're members of two organizations actually. One is the American Academy of estate planning attorneys, and the other is the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. So I assume you get materials from them as well that uh, people can obtain. So um, somebody could visit your website or somebody could make a call to the office if they're interested in having one of these publications? Sure. We'd be happy to get those out to you. Why don't you provide your phone number again? Our phone is 508-998-8800, and our office is located on Fonts Corner Road, um, pretty much across from the law school. Okay. And I suppose that you have to tell the truth when you're filling out a Medicaid application. You can't lie on the application. Well, you can, but you sign the application under the pains and penalties of perjury. Um, A a while back, there used to be jokes about Granny going to jail, and then when they wanted to put it on the lawyers to make the applications truthful, there were jokes about lawyers going to jail. But the, the hard fact is that 
this is uh, an application that you make to a f state agency with federal support, and you got to be truthful. And you have to document it too, I assume, with copies of what, bank statements maybe? Oh, the documentation is awful. You have to provide five years from the source or the holder of the asset. So yes, five years of bank statements, five years of annuity uh, history, five years of stock values. <laughs> it's just awful. So I want to talk in a few minutes about some of the things that you can do to protect assets. Uh, Abraham Lincoln once said, no man has a good enough memory to be a successful liar. Because huh. you've got to document everything that you're doing. Yeah, and you have to have sources for information. So when we talk about some of the specific strategies um, that you can use, um, I know that you can do put money aside for a funeral. You can prepay funeral expenses, for example. Yes, and that's a very sound thing to do because unless you want bare bones, nothing funeral, they are going to cost in the range of $8,000, $10,000. And the state allows you to prepay for that without giving you a penalty under the Medicaid program. So is that so, something you could do at the last minute, for example, yes, just before exactly. somebody went to a nursing home? Yep, okay. and you can do it for yourself and your spouse. So that's a way of essentially saving money that's going to have to be spent at some point in any case. Okay, and um, you also do something called an irrevocable income only trust. Could we talk about that for a little bit as a strategy that you could possibly use to protect assets? Yes, we do lots of different kinds of trusts here, but one of them for Medicaid purposes is got a difficult name. It's called an irrevocable income only trust and the important word to remember there is irrevocable because once you do it you can't retract it you can't amend it you can't um, restate it <laughs> you're stuck with it and who can be the trustee of it it's not you who would be the trustee of that particular kind of trust so if you wanted to talk about that kind of trust, it's probably better that you come in and talk with us because it's complicated and you have to be comfortable with it. And you need five years of doing that trust before it protects anything. Well, in a few minutes or just a minute or so, we're going to take another break. But when we come back, I want to ask the question of, of you, Tenney, Attorney Tenney Lentz. Um, can a person do their own Medicaid application? Do you find people sometimes that say, I'm just going to do my own application? And we're going to talk about some of the reasons why you might not want to think about doing that because I guess it would be safe to say it's not as easy as you think. Well, the application itself might be straightforward, but that doesn't provide you with the strategies of how to save your money. And that's why... We like to assist with Medicaid applications. Okay. And there's a few other things that you could do, too. I know uh, I've heard something that if you have a, a child who's been, an adult child who's been living in your house for a period of time, helping to take care of you, uh, I guess it might have to be their primary residence. Can the house be transferred to the child? And does that happen very often? Um, it's more complicated. And we'd be happy to talk about that after the break. But the underlying answer is yes. <laughs> okay, so I want to pursue that a little bit more uh, right after we take our next break. And uh, please stay tuned. We will be right back to talk about can you transfer your house to a child. And stay tuned. This is Money Wise Radio with Ray and Pete Lance, powered by the USA Wealth Group. 
collectively more than 80 years of experience helping clients define and plan for their retirement goals. To begin a retirement consultation, call 508-998-8858. That's 508-998-8858. This is Money Wise Radio. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to MoneyWise. I'm Ray Lance, and our special guest this morning is somebody I'm fairly familiar with, and that's attorney Tenny Lance. So welcome back, Tenny. Thank you. So, Tenny, um, I don't ever want to be in a nursing home, and I don't think you ever want to be in a nursing home, right? But the only thing I'd like is to be somewhere where somebody would cook all my meals. <laughs> I've always said that. Yeah, I've always thought that would be a nice idea, too. <laughs> I know. I'm not the best cook. <laughs> no, no, you do a good job. I'm just being uh, fresh. Well, we were talking about uh, the strategy of uh, taking your house and putting it into children's name. And I guess that can work sometimes, but it doesn't always work because you have to do it in a certain way. And what would you tell somebody listening today if they say, gee, why don't I just put my house in my child's name right now? That doesn't necessarily work, does it? Right. That's what a lot of people say, that I'm not worried about the nursing home because what I'll do is just transfer the house to my kids and then nobody can claim the house. Well, that generally does not work. You need five years in most cases except for one exception in the um, federal state laws and regulations, and that is something called a caregiver child exemption. Okay. What that means is if you have a child who has lived in your house for two years, and that is their legal residence, they get bills there, they vote from there, and so forth, if they have been there for two years and provided you with sufficient care to stay out of a nursing home, then even at the last minute when you do have to go to that nursing home, you can transfer the house to that child, but only to that child. If you have three children, you can only give it to the caregiver child, which is often a difficult situation for a larger family. And I guess but, it, I guess there could be some tax issues as well because if you give the house and transfer the house over to a child's name, uh, they get what's called a carryover basis, right? Right. What that, that means is whatever you paid for the house now becomes the cost for the child. Right. Um, if they live in the house for two out of the last five years, they would be able to get some um, exemptions from the capital gains tax. But tax aside, the benefit of being able to do this is significant. It's just that the circumstances have to be very peculiar, and it's not often that we can do that. But in any case, if you have a child and they've lived with you for two years, and you then have to go to the nursing home. You can give the house to the child, but you must also have a doctor's letter. And that letter Mm -hmm. has to say that that child has given you sufficient care over the past two years that you were kept out of a nursing home for that time. And I would imagine that's not always easy to get a letter like that from a doctor because they're putting their name on the line and they may have exposure. They can't do something just because they want to help you. That has to be factually accurate, I would assume. Exactly. It's difficult for anybody to get anything in writing from a doctor and to get that certification can be difficult. So make sure well ahead of time that you're talking to the doctor about the potential need to get this kind of a letter. Boy, it's tough getting older and having to think about all these things, isn't it, Tenny? Well, 
I could really get on my soapbox and talk about my feelings about the way that this country takes care or doesn't take care of older people, but not today. Mm. Mark Twain once said, age is an issue of mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. (laughs) But we have a lot of friends and acquaintances our own age, and it's really interesting to track what everybody is going through as you get older, isn't it? (laughs) It's a difficult time. Well, so we've talked a little bit about maybe putting the house in somebody else's name. You talked about this five-year look-back period, which is kind of a critical time uh, period. It sounds like if you really want to protect assets from the nursing home, you better do planning well enough in advance, I guess would be the number one rule I would say for today. Absolutely, and you have to, if you want to protect assets, you sort of have to be willing to give up some things that you might not want to. Okay. Like control of your house. What about veterans? Do they have any special look-back periods? Yes, the Veterans Administration instituted about a year and a half ago now some new rules for the VA program, and they are just about as bad, if not worse, than the Medicaid program. Um, What the Veterans Agency does is count not only assets, but the value of your home into what you can keep. And that often puts the veteran out of range. Okay. So again, that's another area of complexity when we're dealing with this. So can you protect your assets if you have long-term care insurance and then have to go to a nursing home? So I, um, you have, for example, a long-term care insurance policy, right? I do, and long-term care is as complicated as anything else I've been talking about today. The um, state law about long-term care is that if you have a minimal state policy, and I'll talk about that in a minute, when you go to the nursing home, the nursing home is not, or I should say the, the state Medicaid office is not allowed to put a lien on your house. So what is a minimal policy? It is that you have $125 of coverage daily for a period of two years in a nursing home. Okay. Um, But gosh, it's complicated. People often use long-term care policies for care in the home. So if you use up your entire policy for home care and don't have any coverage when you go into the nursing home, that protective law doesn't matter. (laughs) You're still going to get a lien. Well, the other issue, I guess, would be the fact that long-term care insurance tends to be quite expensive. Incredibly expensive. And you have to qualify for it. You have to be healthy to get it. Physically, right. So um, our office here, for example, can help somebody get long-term care insurance. But you have a policy, and you don't have to explain over the air what it costs you. I do not have a long-term care insurance policy because I have arthritis. And even though I function fairly well, uh, it's not really debilitating for me. Uh, The fact that I have arthritis, it's a disqualifier for me getting a long-term care policy. And if you get older, or as we get older, I should say, it's a better way to put it, um, typically you're going to have some health issues and you may not qualify medically to to get one. And the older you are, the more expensive the policy. Sure, the premiums go up. Generally, I tell people, um, if you have long-term care insurance, you might want to think about reducing it to the minimum amount to protect your house. But otherwise, that long-term care insurance is simply not affordable at the rate that would cover the nursing home. I mean, after all, if if your rate for the nursing home is 15000 a month, and 
that's a daily rate of whatever it is, 500 a day. I can't do my math very well. You're not going to have affordable long-term care insurance to pay that amount per day. So one of the questions we were also talking about um, a few minutes ago was what's involved in doing a Medicaid application if you want to have the state and federal governments uh, pay for care for long-term care. You said it's an eight or ten page uh, document form. You've got to have... Oh, no, it's much longer than that. Okay. You have to have um, five years' worth of records and bank statements and so forth. So the process of gathering that information must be difficult. must take a long time. Well, it depends on what you have for assets. But if you have um, bank accounts and life insurance and an annuity and some IRAs. It's going to take you some time to gather five years of records from all of those sources. So, so if, you, if you don't have bank records, for example, then you have to go to your bank or banks and ask them to give you five years worth of records, I suppose. Right. And, and the form that has to be filled out is much longer than eight or ten pages. It's more like 25. Okay. Um, and every time you answer yes to a question, essentially, you have to provide verification. It will say, do you own your house? Yes. Well, then you have to provide a copy of the deed and a copy of the tax um, valuation that was just issued by the assessors. Do you own a car? Yes. Well, you have to produce a copy of the registration. Do you own life insurance? Yes. Well, then you have to provide something from that company that shows what the death benefit is, what the cash value is, so forth. So this sounds like a fairly difficult and stressful process to try to figure out how to put all this material together, but that's it's, what you do. It's a pain in the neck. I recently worked with a lady who was doing an application for her aunt, and she is an auditor accountant, and she was staying awake nights wondering how she was going to be able to get all this information. It was really stressing her out. So the message there really should be to get some professional advice and let somebody who knows how to do these applications do that for you. Give Attorney Tenny Lance a call at 508-998-8800. Tenny, we're going to take one more uh, short break. We'll be right back, but I want to continue a little bit more about the application process. Uh, please stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Call 508-998-8858. That's 508-998-8858. This is Money Wise Radio. Money Wise is in many places. If you missed a minute of the show or want to listen to past episodes of Money Wise, go online to usawealthgroup.com and click on the radio page. That's usawealthgroup.com. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking this morning about how do you pay for nursing home care without going broke? So we talked about this application process for Medicaid. If you think you are going to be Medicaid eligible, you've already spent down some of your assets, um, or you don't have a large amount of um, assets. Um, we talked about how difficult the process is to do the application. So you're able to help people get all the information they need to submit it, present it in a format that Medicaid requires, um, handle communications. Does Medicaid ever get back and say we're missing material? Well, what happens with Medicaid is that you send this large package of information into the Medicaid main office, and that's in Charlestown. Um, and the review person who's been assigned to you has a limited amount of time to review it. So usually, always, I could say for us, we get back 
something called a first information request. And that request has to be answered within 30 days. And sometimes, because they've been rushed, they ask for the same stuff that you already sent them before. So you have to send it again and say, I sent this before, but here it is again. And you have to respond within 30 days or they throw your application out and you have to start all over. <laughs> okay. Um, so the process is very complicated, basically. Um, and it sounds like a tough way to uh, get yourself educated. Mark Twain once said, a man who carries a cat by the tail learns something he can learn in no other way. <laughs> that sort of sounds like doing a Medicaid application, doesn't it? Yes. We have cats at home, and I can tell you I will never carry a cat we by the tail. don't want to carry no. the cats, no. You just don't <laughs> do those things. So Medicaid application, if you need help, if you have questions, make an appointment to come see Attorney Tenny Lance. Well, let me say one thing. Um, if you do not have resources, if you are poor, it's just fine for you to uh, not plan and to... Uh, do your own Medicaid application. If you are quite wealthy and you can afford years of care, then um, you should talk to us about planning. It's the people in the middle, the middle class folk who may have a house and maybe three or four hundred thousand of assets in IRAs or bank accounts or whatever. It's those people who, I won't use the word I'm thinking of, but who get into difficulty with Medicaid. Um, Did you mean they get screwed? I was going to say that, but... Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and that's what I think is so unfortunate about this program. You can be poor, you can be rich, and you're all set. It's us in the middle who get screwed. So what we've been saying so far is you can do long-term care insurance, but it's expensive and you have to qualify medically to get it. And if you wait until you're no longer in good health, you're not gonna qualify for it in the first place. Or if you've got enough money, you can pay with your own funds and spend $180,000, $200,000 a year out of pocket until your money is gone. Um, we've established that Medicare which provides health insurance for a lot of people starting at age 65 uh, or older, that's a health insurance program. That doesn't really pay for long-term care. What about having um, caregivers in your house? That's an expensive process too, I guess? Yes, I mean, many people pay caregivers um, with the phrase under the table. But that can get you into legal difficulty. So it's not something that I recommend. Um, there are caregiving agencies, and in general, they are wonderful folk. But they are not cheap. They can't be. They have to pay their caregivers. And so doing caregiving at home is great if you have the funds but it's going to cost you about as much as uh, being in a nursing home. Now, there is a nursing home, pro I'm sorry, a Medicaid program that will help to pay for caregiving in the home, but you have to qualify for it financially, just like the other nursing home program I've talked about for this whole program. So. It's called the Home and Community-Based Waiver Program. It's called that because the state of Mass had to get a waiver from the federal government in order to apply Medicaid funds in the home. But yes, that's a possibility. I do have some clients who have qualified for that. Okay, so for, for many people then, I guess the goal would be to try to get qualified for Medicaid AID um, and see what you can keep and keep as much as you can, but that requires doing some planning. So you did say earlier, Tenny, that 
If you're a single person, you're only allowed to keep $2,000 in cash. Everything else is what they call a countable asset, which means it has to be used for your care. Right, and countable assets include bank accounts, annuities, IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, stock, life insurance policies. Life insurance if it has equity in it, I guess. Right, cash value, yep. Okay, so what if you're a married couple and one spouse goes to the nursing home, um, the at-home spouse gets to keep a car? One car. If you have two cars, you have to sell one. All right, what if you have one car and it's an older car? Could you spend down by going out and buying a new car, for example? Uh, yes, yes. Did you ever see anybody do that? <laughs> well, I once had a client who had a, an unusual situation. Not only did he have about 33 bank accounts because wow. every time a bank gave a better rate, he'd put a little money there. So just the application itself was awful. But he was sort of a <laughs> um, easygoing guy. And so when I told him he could replace his older car with a newer one, he went out and bought a BMW. Nice. <laughs> Smart man. And I thought for sure they were going to reject it. They didn't, fortunately. But I wouldn't want to take a chance again. So you're able to keep one car. You can keep your personal belongings and household goods. Um, we've talked earlier about the fact that you can prepay for funeral and burial expenses. How about legal expenses? If you had to pay for your services, for example, the law firm services, to do the Medicaid application, could you spend down some of the excess money to pay for legal fees? Yes. Prepare the application? Yes, the Medicaid office does allow that. Okay. And I have another question because I don't fully understand it, but I think that you probably do. Let's say you have a husband or wife, and the husband has a pension, and he's got Social Security and a few other things. And his wife didn't really work um, much, so she has a small Social Security account, and she goes to the nursing home. Is he allowed to keep income, his own income? The answer is complicated, and it depends on which spouse is in the nursing home. Whichever spouse has to be in the nursing facility gets to use all of their income to pay for the nursing home. In other words, it often impoverishes the spouse who stays at home. Now, there is an exemption to that, but it's complicated and there is a limitation. Okay. The minimum monthly maintenance needs allowance is only $2,288 at the moment. So if the at-home spouse gets $1,500 herself, from her Social Security, she is able to keep about $700 from her husband's income, but the rest of his income needs to go to the nursing home, and that's called the monthly patient pay amount, or PPA, as it's called. Wow. So this gets more and more complicated, doesn't it? But the basics are... If you want to protect assets and you don't want to lose everything you've got, I guess the number one rule I would say is you need to plan ahead of time, don't you? Plan ahead and talk to somebody who knows the Medicaid rules. That's the second rule. We talk to somebody like Attorney Tenny Lance and make sure you understand how you can protect assets and what can you do to protect assets. And... Um, Spend down what you can spend down and set up irrevocable trust, I guess, is another possibility. Yep. If you're looking to protect If you've uh, got even five years. Yep. But you've got to plan ahead in order to do that. You've got to plan five years ahead of time. Well, Tenny, um, this stuff is always complicated. But then again, a lot of the things that you work on, a lot of the things that we work on at USA Wealth Group are uh, very, very 
uh, detailed, very complicated. One of the things we always have liked to say here is that no person can be an expert at everything. And you may be very competent to some of the things that you do, but if you want to protect assets and you want to do Medicaid planning, uh, work with somebody who really knows what they're doing because otherwise it could cost you more money than what it needs to. So, Tony, I want to thank you for uh, being here today. Um, it's always a wealth of information. Um, I guess if one of us ever has to go to a nursing home, I guess I should be the one to go first because you'll know all the rules and regulations of how to protect what you can. Or if I go first, the house is protected because of long-term care insurance. <laughs> yes, you get long-term care insurance. Well, in any event, uh, as Mark Twain once said, we have the best government that money can buy, and we always are concerned about how we can protect our assets. Medicare, Medicaid, these rules exist to protect you and to protect your family and protect your assets. But take the time ahead of time to uh, prepare for them. You know, uh, very shortly, uh, we're going to be announcing some seminars that are going to be done. And one of them will no doubt be on protecting assets from the nursing home. So stay tuned. Keep listening. And we will be with you again next week on the radio. USA Wealth Group Incorporated is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. Insurance products are offered through the insurance business USA Wealth Group Incorporated. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. USA Wealth Group Incorporated is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by USA Wealth Group Incorporated. This radio show is a paid placement.